UFOs, Bigfoot, paranormal input. Go ahead now, get mystical. Mystery and magical. UFOs, not typical. Bigfoot, not typical. You ask me why I'm skeptical. I say questions are questionable. Is the truth alien to you? Alien to get my message through. Aliens might message you. Aliens are sliding through. The wild signal we're plotting to. Algorithms they find is true. Typical. Skeptic. Shut Got no time for no petty germs, pandemic, a pandemic turn, horror still in Amityville, Bayonet in Gettysburg, Mothman, TNT, Factory, Red Eyes, Loki, Dogman, Howling in the Street, I'm typically skeptic of what I see, Voodoo Hoodoo in New Orleans, Thunderbird, Swamp Thing, is it real, I was wondering, typical, skeptic, show, typical, skeptic, show. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Typical Skeptic Podcast. I have back a familiar face, a uh, fan favorite, Dr. Michael Lynch. Um, how I found out about Dr. Lynch was I, he was on the Art Bell show. You know, me, I'm a big fan of Art Bell. And he gave an amazing presentation that day on ghosts. And ever since he's been coming on my show, I think he's been on my show three times now or four times. And we talk about everything from the paranormal to ghosts. And um, just a little bit more about my guest, Dr. Michael Lynch. He's a paranormal investigator for the past 27 years. He's been investigating ghosts, UFOs, ancient civilization, and government conspiracies. Dr. Lynch, for over the past 14 years, has had a long-running radio segment called Paranormal Tuesdays, where he talks about everything paranormal. Um, he also did Conspiracy Agents. Dr. Lynch has been on Coven. He's been on Discovery Channel, Sci-Fi, Fox Family, ABC Family. All, all the big networks, and uh, he's been in the movie Shadow Worlds, The Haunted Boy, Children of the Grave, and Soul Catcher. And uh, I want to give him a big warm welcome to the show. Dr. Lynch, thank you for coming back on. How are you? Hey, doing great. Thank you very much for inviting me back. And I'm I'm sorry about last time. Um, you know, we set it all up, but you know how things go. Uh, but I'm here, I'm here now, and uh, we can get started. Anything you want to ask me right quick? Or uh, I've got a kind of a talk point layout. You know, yeah, if you want to go over that, so, like, it deals with energy equals information, your equation, right? Which right. we've talked a little bit about right. before, but I think you wanted to go in more into that, right? Yeah, um, there are certain things in our environment, in our reality, that um, have consistent values all the way across the reality. There's not one without the other. The, the situation that affects paranormal investigations is we're trying to take physics you know, uh, standardized physics, and we're trying to um, in, immerse them or engage them in the paranormal. So what we have, what I have done and what a lot of others have done is gone to parapsychology in order to look at how all this physics kind of works together through a psychological means or a neuroconductivity means, um, how the brain functions, how it works. Now, the paranormal is not locked within our bodies or our brains. And that's why a lot of people don't get the idea of consciousness. Consciousness is a, a, a collective of different non-competing energies that relate, that, that interrelate with each other in order to give us something. And this energy um, helps us be able to see, hear, vocalize, move, you know, move your hands and feet and, and things like that. So 
what people are missing with consciousness is that they have never gone ghost busting, you know, never gone ghost investigations. And so today I'm going to kind of do a, a synopsis of the way I'm looking at the world and the way that the information that I'm collecting uh, pertains to the um, display, uh, the vividness of the display of consciousness. And so over the past several decades, you know, I have um, done my best to uh, put all the science together into what was what's kind of called, um, you know, normal physics, normal physics. I, I, I'm going to I'm going to say that um, now. Um, what you see, what you see over here is this is your brain. This is the neurosynaptic uh, nerve, uh, nerve endings in your brain right here, this red uh, area. And this is how uh, your consciousness, your mind uh, transfers information from memory to, um, you know, your frontal lobes, your, your, your optical uh, lobes, everything looks like this. And this is the synaptic, uh, the synaptic areas of your brain that are making that information connect. It's like a neural network inside your brain. The item right next to it right here is the universe. That is the universe. And that is looking at the universe through electromagnetic uh, wavelengths or electromagnetic values. Oh, wait, can and I just say something real quick? So our, our the, the makeup of our brain looks similar to that of the universe. That makes me really feel like who was the creator or what was the creator that like that like mapped this amazing computer brain out that we have. I know that might be a simple question, but I think that's probably at the end of the day what a lot of people are asking, especially if it's that close. Like, is it really like that? Like our neurons look just like the universe? Exactly, exactly. The, the, the neurons uh, in your brain are connected with electrical impulses. And those electrical impulses are constantly running around in your brain and making the synapses happen. That's why we can see, that's why we can hear and chew gum and walk at the same time. It's because that information, you know, is going down our spinal cord into our nervous system. And then that is what's making that happen. Also the endocrine system is also making that happen. So, so what you have is a loop. You have a loop of information. Like, let's say I have a glass. Uh, I'm gonna pick this glass up. Um, the glass is cold, I have ice in it and it's cold, and that information that just by me touching it goes back to my brain. So my, my eyes say glass, my fingers say temperature, and that goes back to my brain, and I realize that this is a cold ice water in my glass. You see what I'm saying? And so it's all this, um, it's, not har it's harmonic, but it's a harmony. It's like a symphony being played in your brain all the time, collecting the data. Pulling the data in uh, is so, the, so the brain's like a modem, basically. It modulates and yes. demodulates information. Exactly, exactly. It it stores information as well as assimilates your environment. Now, your brain and body are technically a buffer. It's it's like it slows down reality, so that we can, um, so that we can process this reality at a certain speed. Now, different people have different, you know, uh, levels of that. Like a race car driver will drive 200 miles an hour. His reflexes have got to be really honed and sensitive to the speed, 
or he'll crash. No, that's just that's just a fact. So so what happens is inside the body, there's a lot of things going on, a lot of things that help you survive. Your body is always and your brain is always constantly helping you survive. And that is the that's the key to what the body does. It 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 is life. It it wants to maintain life as much as possible and for as long as possible, you see. So your body is always working for your best interest, for your survival. Okay. The mind is in, integrated into that throughout the entire body and also into the environment. So we can determine distance, height, you know, weight, just by looking at something. So I can say, oh, um, the end of my office is 10 feet away or 25 feet away. Um, so I can determine that just by seeing it. But my mind calculates the geometry of the room and gives me an approximation. Now, I'd have to use measurements to tell you exactly, but but the brain can actually approximate. And then it does this, and it's such a quick nanosecond um, speed that uh, we can we can actually you know make compensations like we're driving on a wet road or icy road we can compensate we try to adjust our inertia by the um by our ears um you know trying to find balance you know by our heads trying to find balance that's why you don't drive you know sideways is because you're trying to find balance all the time just walking across the room you're trying to find balance but but to see these two things side by side, the the nervous endings, the the nerve endings, the synapses, and the universe um, tells us that the whole geometry, the entire geometry, not only are we related to it, but it is a fractal. So our brains and our universe are created from the same exact design, and that is a fractal universe, and information is transferred all over the universe or all over our galaxy let's say um at the speed at faster than the speed of light so um it is in in technical terms a a brain it's alive it, it has the same fundamental fractal geometry as our brains and impulses of energy travel through our galaxy travel through our universe exactly the same way as it is with our brains. We're no different. We're no different. There's no difference in the universe, um, our galaxy versus our brains. The geometry and the information signals that trans that you know uh, translate through all of that in information that is constantly in translation, transmitting, receiving information. And that is the the mainstay. It's just like um, cells in your body, uh, translating information, receiving information. It's it it just it's just so uh, the same. It's the same geometry. It's the same mathematics. It's just that one's on a gigantic scale. The other one is just right up here in your in your cortex. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So 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 no matter so matter uh, any way you look at the universe. No matter how you look at the universe, it is consistently a fractal geomet geometrical universe. As large as you can get to as small as you can get. Now, um, a lot of people throw in, well, you know, quantum and all this other stuff. That 
that is very minute. But what I'm going to say about quantum is that it's a harmony, it's a harmonic resonance in quantum. And the reason why it is harmonically resonant is because everything else is. Everything else is vibrating at its own rate and speed. So our cells are vibrating at its own, their own rate and speed. Um, quantum information is vibrating at its own rate and speed. Uh, photons travel at the speed of light. Um, microwaves travel at the speed of light. So um, everything is based technically on transmission and reception. And that's why this geometry is so important. One is for heat regulation, to regulate heat. Um, that is one aspect. The other aspect is to contain as much information in a small enough space as possible. So, so our brains may be incredibly small, even though they're broken up in different sections, but that contains a lot of data and information about the world that we live in. And it's all interrelated. Uh, the bones in your body, the teeth in your mouth, uh, they're all fractals. They all have a fractal geometry, just like coral in the sea. The coral has a fractal geometry. And it is all of the molecules pair up and create this geometry. Even the DNA strand is a twisted ladder. And that is a, a fractal, a fractal within itself. So it's how the molecules coalesce and come together that builds the architecture for this reality. Well, let me ask you this. What do you think that says about our reality? Do you think, and I know this might be off topic. I hope it's not. But I just want to ask you, though, like, do you think that that means we're in some kind of simulated reality, if you had to guess? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I, that's uh, that's almost virtually proven. Um, in a simulated reality, you're just broken up with electrons and 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 basically an imitation grid, a, a gridded imitation of ones and zeros of what we'd say reality. Any any uh, PlayStation Two or Xbox uh, or anything like that will give you a simulated reality. Uh, the way this works is again almost exactly the same way. Our cells. Uh, the air molecules, all molecules are part of a system of a simulated reality. So in one aspect, we can we, we can just imagine that we're breathing oxygen. In another aspect, we don't know if we are or not. We don't even know if the oxygen has any value, you see. So when you talk about biology and neurochemistry, everything has a, a purpose. So potassium has a purpose, magnesium has a purpose, uh, lithium has a purpose, uh, you know, carrots have a purpose. Uh, all these things that we, can, that we ingest and consume should give us energy and has a purpose for sustaining this biological matrix that we call a human body. But they themselves are in a simulation, so they themselves give us what we think they give us. Now we can talk about a placebo. Let's let's talk about a placebo. Okay, if you have a cold, let's say, or something, um, I can give you a placebo and say, this is the strongest medicine you can ever possibly imagine. And you'll take it. And if I convinced you or sold you that it is, your body and your mind starts to react and it will go in there. Your brain actually goes in there and cures that disease. 
by issuing more white blood cells, by rearranging certain proteins and en enzymes in your body, and they start to, the body starts to attack. It's on a subconscious level, of course, but that's still in the realm of consciousness, not in the realm of of uh, neurobiochemical medicines. It's in the it's in the realm of the mind, not the medicines. So some people, um, this is an old uh, medical story. Um, Aunt Martha always went to the doctor and complained about her headaches, about her headaches. And, and the doctor says, okay, I'll prescribe you some medication. You know, take it sparingly because it's very strong. Aunt Martha went home. She takes the medicine. Her headaches went away instantly. And once a month or so, she would go down to the doctor and the doctor would prescribe her a new uh, pills, a new, new, uh, new prescription. The idea was that these are just sugar pills, but Aunt Martha believed in them so much, they actually cured her headaches. You see? That's so amazing the, that that actually so the, does that. Yeah, so the mind, even with a, a rudimentary placebo, can correct the imbalances in the body naturally. And there's a lot of homeopathic medicines and a lot of... Uh, ancient uh, Chinese medicines that look at the way the body it functions and looks at your anxieties, your um, your mental uh, process, uh, the way you mentally digest your reality, the way you respond to your reality. And that is, uh, that's the way they look at medicines. It's, it's, it's this uh, big concept of how you interrelate with your world. Now, again, those medicines are uh, biochemical in nature. So they break down your bloodstream and they work through your system and they do do what they're kind of designed to do. But it's your belief in it that actually makes it, that overrides its effect, whether it has any effect or 100% uh, or effectiveness or 0% uh, effectiveness is the way you look at that problem. So um, now we all know that uh, penicillin was created back in the 50s uh, and uh, people were dishing it out like uh, candy. And today, because of the overuse of penicillin, it only kills about 25% of what it killed uh, 50 years ago or 60 years ago. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so it's becoming less and less effective against the new strains of, uh, of bacteria that are, that are out there. So once it becomes less and less effective, well, then people just said, well, we just can't give you penicillin anymore. We'll have to give you ampicillin or, or something else along the cillin line, and we'll go up to get rid of that infection or whatever. When actually, okay, because of the mind, they can say, well, here, you can take this medic medication. And the mind, if it accepts it, if it accepts that medication and, and understands it, the mind actually is the driver behind the medicine to cure the body itself. And that in relationship to a um, molecular based reality is the, is the idea that we're living in a basic simulation. The mind controls and is the observer to itself and decides for itself that it will be healthy or it won't be. It's just a basic decision. You know, they, 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 it was something interesting I wanted to tell you about. I, I've been experimenting with lately. I, I use a lot of binaural beats, and I found this one channel. It's called Binaural Nutrition, okay? And they right. have, like, all types of, like, um, 
uh, they have like binaural placebo. It's not a binaural placebo. It's like it'll say like binaural for testosterone, and then there's one that's like a fat burner, and they have ones to like cure headaches. Right. Like they have binaurals for all this stuff, and then they have ones of like actual like medicines too. Like that, like you know, like it would be like a properly a popular fat burner or something like that. Like they've right. done that. Like they've made like binaural tracks for all different kinds of medicines. Right. I, I was just wondering what you thought of that. Do you think those binaural beats can really um, mimic something somebody would take medicinally? And do you think, I think it would basically because what you're saying about the placebo, but in this case, they must do something to program the right. whatever medicine or whatever they're trying to do into the binaural beat. So it has some right. kind of effect on you, right? Right. Um, but the, the situation is, is that um, the only thing, the only argument that I have not, this is my argument, this is not everybody else's argument. So, so uh, if you listen to them through your ears um, and you're tone deaf, you may not get the proper signal uh, to the brain. Okay. But if you had electrodes that were on your brain and doing the same thing, those electrodes would go because your your skull is very dense and the fluid in your brain is pretty thick um uh that, that they would go through the skull into the brain and then that would be a better neurobeat massage for the brain now this is not new it goes back to ancient egypt if not to the ancient greeks of them harmonizing with certain notes and frequencies to help a patient feel better and, I didn't know they did that. That's amazing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They had something like a tuning fork. And they'd take these tuning forks and they'd put it on the base of your skull. And when the tuning fork hit a certain frequency, they would they would put that there. So the vibration of it would go through the skull. Now, a lot of this is um, interesting because then the brain can then relax because of the vibration and the, the tone. Relax. And when it relaxes... It goes into like an alpha state and that alpha state corrects the stress and uh, strain on the body. So medicines do work. Uh, they work better. So um, back a few years ago, there were some doctors and they would have their patients come in and they would prescribe the medicine. And then they would tell them, okay, when you take the medicine, we want you to just be quiet, just sit in your chair for 20 minutes and meditate or just so there'd be quiet and then let the medicines work. Other doctors said, take your medicines at night. They'll be more effective because your brain is asleep and the body takes over and the body then starts circulating a lot better when you're asleep. So the medicines have better effect. But if you take the medicines during the average day of your stress and struggles and and fighting and getting to you know getting to work, getting home on time, you know, getting everything done, they don't work as well. For some reason, they don't work as well as if the body has gone under constriction uh, in the veins and the heart vessels that um, prevent the medicine from circulating properly. So what you have is kind of two schools of thought here: one, meditation, music. Um, really helps relax the patient, but the neurobeats are trying to regulate both sides of the brain of the hemispheres so that they are compatible. They, they actually signal together better, which helps in a lot of things, coordination, right hand, left hand, right brain, left brain coordination. And also um, 
you know, a, a biochemical drug, which would actually accelerate that uh, process as well. So you can do several things. You can do like stimulants. Now, in ancient China, they had teas. They would drink teas or manufacture herbs inside of a tea. And then you would drink the tea. And at different times, you'd be at different strengths with slightly different herbs in order to uh, do the same thing. Well, they come to find out that um, just recently, uh, 10 years ago, maybe 15 years ago, that they realized that it was the water in the tea that actually helped the body correct itself. And Dr. Emoto uh, said, if you pray or send a message into the water, and his, and his book is called Messages of Water, you can find this on YouTube as well, called Messages of Water, um, that the water actually changes its molecular uh, arrangement. So it produces a different, um, a different thing, a different crystallization structure. Right, structure for the thought. So the thought comes out and the thought's like an engram. It is, it's an emotional information, you know, in like a, like a telegram. It's short and brief and it goes into the water. The water then, by its nature, changes its composition and creates a new structure to help the body. And so you can sit there with a glass of water, like I have a glass of water, and you can sit there and pray over it, or you can sit there and bless it and say, you know, I hope the nutrition in this water, you know, will uh, sustain me, will help me. And you can drink it and it will have a better sustaining effect as if you didn't do that at all. That's why, you know, a lot of people talk about their mother's home cooking. Like, I really appreciate my mother's home cooking. Well, that's because your mother is sitting there cooking it with love over her family to make sure her family is healthy. And so she's cooking this big dinner or this all the stuff and she's throwing all these ingredients in and she's going by her old family recipe. But the main ingredient is that she loves her family so much, she wants to make that the best possible thing. And so when you're eating the food, it's virtually love. You're eating almost pure love. And that helps sustain the body as well. So, I never thought of that. That's amazing. Yeah. And then the other thing is, too, is like when you sit down and have a prayer over, over your dinner, you know, uh, bless this food, give it so it will give me nutrition so I can relax and you know, absorb the nutrition. And all these things are subtle, but they do have an effect, get this, on the reality in which we live in order to actually help you. So the power of positive thinking, uh, to make affirmations, to do manifestations, are all part of this electromagnetic process that we have in our brains that we transmit to the objects around us. Not only are we collecting the data from those objects, we're actually sending a signal to those objects. And those objects are changing. Okay, so let's say you have a, uh, a transplant, a heart transplant or... Um, you, from somebody else, okay? So that, the other person probably died and you're getting their heart. And then a lot of people get their hearts, they get their new hearts and they start having dreams or visions or recollections of something that they don't even know anything about. And I find this fascinating. Yeah. I find they, they take on the characteristics of the, the donor, right? Exactly. Not only the characteristics, but some of the some of the, the 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 bad habits as well, you know, they eat too much chocolate or they like uh, sweets or or whatever, you know, or they like, uh, uh, you know, the like race cars or boxing or something. And you've never had that desire before. 
because the heart, the tissue in the heart is immersed in our, in our plasma, in our water uh, of our bodies. And we are sending our bodies signals all the time. And then that, that emotion, that mindset is engrammed uh, into our own bodies, our cellular structure. And so when it's transplanted into someone who has a different, you know, combination code, you know, so one is different and you're putting that into something like an, like the full body and you can see it doesn't really, really match up very well. So it's going to have its own little quirks. So, so a lot of doctors give people like rejection medicines, you know, to help uh, or to the body to accept the heart and things like that. So it won't be rejected. Well, they're not looking at the energy of the mind in the in the body um, that is actually uh, part of that system, that system, that energy, that fractal fractal information system that's that's making that all work. So, so yes, my consciousness is slightly different than yours. And if uh, you needed open heart and I died and my heart went into you, you would probably sit there and go, "Wow, you know, I got this craving for coffee and I never had that craving before." And that's because. I was, you know, I'm a coffee drinker. Yeah, I drink some coffee. Um, and then that's because I've Im imprinted that information into my muscles, into my, into my, into my every cell in my body. And that is what they remember. That cellular memory is, is there because it's. Oh my God. I just thought of something, Dr. Wynch. Yeah. Is this yeah, kind yeah. of why we have goats in the paranormal? That energy gets imprinted onto reality. Is that yes. why a, a, a residual haunting happens? Mm -hmm. Not only residual hauntings, but but we call well, you can call them unintelligent hauntings or or residual hauntings. And this is just a program that's being played. Once the environment hits a certain uh, situation, it's just like hitting uh, play on a on a recorder or play on a record player or whatever. It's just going to play. Um whatever event that was, whether it was very emotional, whether it was a suicide, whether it was a heartbreak, whether it was, you know, something traumatic, it's going to play it again. And a lot of psychics pick up on this, you know, psychometry is picking up on that energy that's left in that furniture and, and in that, in that house and in, in those rooms, you know, it's not all just free floating uh, consciousness. What it is, is it's information that's embedded itself into that environment so so every time you go uh let's say you go someplace and you get scared oh i'm scared well maybe you are or maybe you're just picking up the energy of something that happened in that uh, room or in that area many years ago that's just affecting you and your subconscious and that is uh how we look at this reality is that it's primarily fundamentally based in energy and that energy is more and stronger than the hologram of our reality so so when you get into things like technical remote viewing or psychometry or psychics and they can go and see things they're not looking at our reality as a linear process they're looking at a reality that has no time at all there's no there's no time that, that it's just it's just a target and the mind finds that target subconsciously and then picks on that target and hangs on to it because that's what you've asked the mind to do 
just like you've asked the water uh, to be loving, and I'm going to give you a signal of love, the mind will reach out and then look for something um, that makes sense. And if you ask it something, it's going to look for it until it makes sense. It's like, um, um, I need a pair of socks. And so I'm going to go, I'm going to go shopping, right? So I'm going to go shopping. And it's amazing when I go into the, when I go into the store and then go into the men's department, I see everything. I see shirts, I see suits, I see belts. I, and then, at, but I don't see, I'm not really looking at any of that. I'm just looking for the socks. So, so my mind focuses in what is important and all I see is socks. So I can, I can walk through the whole department store, you know, and go to the kitchen section, go to the, uh, uh, you know, electronic section or appliance section or whatever. And I don't care about any of it because my mind's not focused on any of that. It's only focused on the socks. And so that's all I'm going to see. So uh, in a couple of car accidents, uh, policemen will say, didn't you see the red light? Or didn't you see the stop sign? And they go, no, I didn't even see it. I didn't even know it was there because their brain was thinking about something else. And it was not important. Their, their field of reference was not even really there. So, so we can, through scotomas, through blind spots, block out, block out what we don't want to see. And we can we go through life that way, you know, and that's cognitive, you know, expression or whatever you want to call it. I call it subconscious blindness, but but um, the subconscious mind is actually far more alert and 90% of your consciousness is subconscious and that controls your body as well. Um, I've got one quick little story before I get back to my chart, but one quick, quick story. I have a friend and she is a hypnotherapist and she had a patient come in who I think was overeating. I'm not really sure, but when she came in, uh, she limped on, on one of her ankles and my friend said, um, what's wrong with your ankle? And she says, oh, I think I could have some, a little bit of arthritis in my ankle. And she says, it's a little painful. And she goes, okay. So she puts her under hypnosis and she is sitting there talking about her overeating problem. And then just before the session ends, she goes, okay, you don't have any arthritis and you're not going to feel any of that pain. All right. The arthritis will leave your body. All right. So she comes out of hypnosis, they chat for a few minutes, and when she gets up and she walks out of the office, she's not limping and she feels no pain. Just from the hypnosis, I get it was just, able to... Exactly, just from the hypnosis. So so if you are com comfortably convinced, comfortably convinced, like through hypnosis, that, um, that certain things... Um, are wrong in your system, your body and your subconscious will start to correct it almost immediately. Within that 30 minute session, her pain was almost virtually gone. It was just automatically corrected. Now, I, I'm not sure if the pain came back or she continued on her uh, arthritis drugs, uh, but at that moment, in that time, um, she was pain-free, pain-free. Uh, and so, Having a, a good attitude toward yourself, and this is where self-love or loving yourself comes in, because you want the best for yourself as much as possible. You know, I mean, you're, you're trying to do the best you can. And so you may just need a little push. And through the subconscious doorways, the subconscious pathways, you can 
get that little push rolling and the body because it's taking orders from your your consciousness automatically obeys just like the water it automatically obeys you can't stop it from not obeying and 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 a lot of people just don't understand that so we go through life virtually uh thinking that everything is affecting us you know and that's true but we don't think there's any way to combat that but there is there is a backdoor to everyone's psyche and that is hit through hypnosis that can that can uh emphasize what is important how to do a detox how to cleanse yourself self how to heal yourself how to be yourself uh or be the best you can be in the limited time you have in this body and that is that is the that's the crazy part about all of this we would never have known any of this if we hadn't really got into consciousness and consciousness energy we would never have come to any of these realizations so i think that's you know like i said i, I know a lot of great guys and 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 they are smart as a tack i mean they're sharp they're smart but they've never gone ghost hunting and so they're they're missing <laughs> they have a blind spot and they're missing that part of what i think is would make this all work and be better connected and That's so okay yeah let me go to the next slide over here this one now this uh this figure right here is what was uh, several years ago called a neuro map a neuro pathway map and they were when they were checking the brain out through mris and pt scans and things like that they were watching how the brain would light up and how information was kind of circular, going from one, one lobe to the other, one hemisphere to the other, and it was all matching up. And so what they did was they kind of plotted out individual um, slices, you might say slices, that was going through the brain. And so they said, okay, well, this slice conducts, you know, your, your body temperature, your breathing, your respiratory system. And this slice, you know, it goes through your um, uh, memories and your... Um, you know, your learning capabilities, your aptitude and things like that. And they came up with this three-dimensional uh, diagram right here. And they were very, uh, they were very happy with that because they said, well, this is kind of the way the mind in your brain uh, with both hemispheres is kind of working. And they were very proud of that. And then they published that. And then let me just slide over. Uh, which way? Okay, I want to go this way. And then this is a photo of a ghost uh, taken by a friend of mine uh, on his television set. I mean, it, he took a picture of it, but it was on his TV set. So, so it comes out in color, and you can see that it is almost identical to the neural map. The neural map and the entity consciousness are almost identical, except this one is free floating, and uh, the other one, this one, is inside your brain. That is fascinating. See what I'm why saying? is that? Is that is that again like the energy imprint? Is the orb the energy imprint of what exactly. exactly? Just like our brain has two hemispheres and, and a hippocampus in the center, um, uh, this is very similar because see the the dot in the center is what we call the central matrix, and that is what all the energy comes in and comes out of. It's in a loop, and the energy comes out, comes back in. 
goes out, comes back in. And it's not really breathing, it's just sending out, it's, it's receiving and transmitting electrical impulses. But in this state, in this state of this uh, orb or ghost uh, consciousness, in this state, you have 360 degree visual, you can hear your telepathic, all the data is being processed and it's being processed through a central matrix. And that's fascinating. And, and that is what's fascinating because he, not only, okay, because like the fractals up here, like, like the universe and your brain, your consciousness, the flow of energy is, again, similar to or exactly to a ghost, uh, 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 an orb photo. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, that's, that's fascinating. Like you can't, the architecture of one and the architecture of this is almost identical. There's no, there's no difference in the architecture. It's just the energy. One's contained. Okay, oh, let me let me go back over here. This one's contained inside your brain, and this one is not. This is this one's free floating. See what I'm saying? So let me there's, ask you this: Do you think that that, that that once we die, we all turn into that energy consciousness, and we all exist in like some other parallel dimension? It's just like free form hmm. energy, or do some do we actually go to some other dimension where? We learn things and like, you know, like how past life regressions do yeah. that stuff. Like, yeah. I'm trying to figure out what the afterlife's like. I'm, I'm, I have no oh, clue. Okay. Like, you know, it well, seems. Uh, yeah, uh, I can tell you. I, let, me, let me just uh, go a little bit further with this, uh, this diagram. Okay, so um, when people have a near-death experience, they go to what they call heaven. It's kind of the afterlife. It's just kind of basically the afterlife. So they go to into heaven, which is the realm of God. But then they go into the afterlife, which is like a white clouds, just clouds. Looks like, you know, uh, uh, rings of Saturn, but only they're a mist. Think of that like, like an energy mist, like clouds. And they all talk about, you know, clouds. And from children to adults, they all talk about, I'm walking through this forest and it's like the mist. I'm walking through like a mist and this forest appears or a relative will appear or whatever I want will appear. Because if you take all this energy, trillions of these orbs, trillions of these orbs, and put them in one location in a simulated energy, they will look like clouds. So look at a cloud. When you go outside, just look up, look at a cloud. We know, you and I both know it's made of water, but why is it that they're floating around? And so what happens? There's a subtle change of energy from cold to heat, and the cloud starts to rain. And it sends these little droplets down to the earth. And for a brief time, these are individual droplets, uh, raindrops, and they fall to the earth. And when they get to the earth, they flatten out, make a puddle, then they evaporate, and they go right back up into the cloud. And in, in a microcosm, that's exactly what consciousness is. It is a raindrop, individualized raindrop with its own complexities. Once it leaves the cloud, which is its ambient energy level, it changes energy, becomes more dense, and then it falls to the earth. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And, th and that is just the opposite. So I could take water. Let me just take some water and I'll put it on the oven and it's liquid at room temperature, I'm gonna turn the heat on and the heat vibrates that water to where it starts to boil. 
Okay, that's the second phase. Third phase is that it starts to mist. It has a steam coming up. The steam is that energy value. So the water is reaching its energy potential value. So when we die, our consciousness leaves this container and it goes to its energy equivalent. So people call it a tunnel. I'm going down this tunnel. I, I go into this bright light. Whoosh. Okay. Why are you going down a tunnel? What is this all about? Well, it's because your energy finally, for the first time, gets released and it is reaching its level of equilibrium. Just like the steam has to expand to reach its level of equi equilibrium, so does consciousness. It goes with where? To the afterlife, where everybody else is. They're all in the same level of energy. They all glow like white pearls or white, white raindrops, and they look like clouds. So you think that's what the clouds are? It's like the afterlife souls? Yeah, yeah. It's all of the energy. Uh, it's all of the energy that we cannot see or imagine all in one place. And then to, for us to be there, we must equalize or match that energy. That's fascinating. That, that just, really is. Just like the steam in the steam in the kettle. The, the kettle. We all start out at room temperature. I'm room temperature. Because we're water too. Our bodies yeah, are made we're water. of water. Yeah, exactly, exactly. We're made of water. So what happens? If I get too cold, I'll pass out um, because my blood gets thick and I can't, you know, if I get too hot, what happens? I get into a fever. In both scenarios, I hallucinate. You know, I'll fall asleep or I'll get a fever. The The temperature, I'm, I'm fighting an infection and the fever. So what happens? My body starts to change itself around to fight that infection and boom, boom. Uh, there you have it. We are we are trying to find equilibrium with the infection by killing it with white blood cells. We try to find the equilibrium uh, in the cold by wearing or gaining weight. Uh, some of us gain weight, or we put on a thick, heavy coat. But either way, the body can only accept so much of the extremes. You see? Yeah. Okay. This, this is fascinating. Okay, so we've accomplished two things so far. One is. Uh, go up here to my, my magic board here, is E equals I. The energy that I transmit is information. Okay, now in the old days, um, back in my day, that's, that's, my, that's my new colloquial saying. Back in my day, we had CB radios or um, someone had a ham radio, ham radio, CB radios. And the CB radio could transmit a signal, okay, an RF signal, radio frequency signal, could transmit but the voice, my voice, when I would say breaker, breaker, one, nine, my voice was the information being transmitted in the signal, just like radio, just like AM, FM. The, the signal is going. Now, there could be nothing in that signal, but we wouldn't even know it's there. But when the voice comes through, that's the information. It's hot. It's cold. The weather today, the, the traffic report, the news today, that's the information. The RF is the energy. The voice is the information. That's so interesting. See, okay, same thing happens. So I'm thinking love. I look at a glass of water and I go, 
love. I love that glass of water or that I want that glass of water to love me or whatever. I'm going to say love. And then it will automatically change to love to that crystalline design because the information is telling it to do it. The energy is there. I'm transmitting it. The information is there to receive it. It's the same same thing in voodoo, the same thing in, in uh, Catholicism and re practicing religions. You have an intention, you transmit it, the energy, and in the intention or the information inside that energy is what is going to happen. And the universe automatically coalesces and complies with that information. So let me ask you this then. So do you think in a way that magic can work? Like you can perform magic mm -hmm. and manifest things? Yeah. So how do we do that? Like what, uh, what is a way to, like a surefire way to get it to work? If you don't mind me asking. If you, if you have um, to say. Yeah. Well, the the best way to, to uh, the best way is always the oldest way. And that that is through uh, like, a, like a, an intention, an intention. Like and a meditation. We, right. Like, like a meditation. Um, and then, then you transmit that signal, uh, and then that, um, that signal then goes into the environment and then it automatically, the environment starts to automatically adjust. Now, because humans have very small attention spans, um, fake magic, fake magic, you know, pulling a rabbit out of the hat is about as far as our attention span can go. But with magic, magic or magica is a long-term process. It's a long-term situation. So it's not instantaneous. So when a person says, um, oh, they want to do something or they want to make plans to go on a trip or whatever, it, it, it takes a time for them to put the money together, organize the trip, put, lay out the clothes. And all those things are steps in the process of going on that trip. And that is the same idea. The manifestation of something that, that I want can be achieved, but I have to go through a lot of different steps in order to achieve it. So the simpler the intent, the faster the results. The greater the intent, the longer it's going to take for those results to happen. But they will happen. They will happen. It's just whether we are patient enough to see that. And that's why a lot of people are not patient enough to see that, you know, but where I'm coming from is that, yes, this is the energy. This is the energy of the universe and it's designed. The universe is designed by its nature of its fractal nature to receive this energy and manipulate that universe. Just like the, just like the, the bio beats are manipulating the, the, the supposed to be manipulating your brain waves, your brain waves, uh, to relax or to do whatever that is um that is what's that's happening you're just re a receiver of that information not the transmitter so wait is that why if you yeah. listen to like uh long-term affirmations like uh, like you know like um like a like a money affirmation if you listen to that over and over and over again like i like rock star affirmations they have good ones on youtube um, you plan something over and over and over in your head, and then your head's putting that, your brain is putting that energy out there. So eventually, right. the universe will correct itself and even it out. That's why the affirmations would work, then, right? Right. Back in the old days, I mean, I want to say this: there was something called a Dale Carnegie course, and a Dale Carnegie course was affirmations. And they said, if you want to be a millionaire, just write 
I want to be a millionaire. I'm going to be a millionaire and write $1 million and put it on your bedroom wall. And every time you go to bed and every time you wake up, you see that sign and it is formulating in your subconscious to become a millionaire. Now, the price of a millionaire may cost you everything, friends, family, relationships, whatever, but you're going to be a millionaire. So there is a give and take in, in our system that we can really take so much and we don't want to give so much. And there is my, my pet, uh, my pet toy is the face. And, um, um, we can be the best prepared, the most intellectual person on the planet, and still the fates, because of something we can't see or we are unaware of, the, they intervene, the fates will intervene, and they say, oh, well, since you weren't looking, we're going we're gonna to throw this at you, you know, a tornado or a flat tire or, um, you know, your zipper's going to get stuck. You know, it's just something you can would never possibly think about because you're making these long-term plans, these big plans. And then the little things along the way is what's going to, what you don't see or don't notice. And those are the ones that kind of slow you down and, and screw you up. And, and so there is like this constant uh, give and take in the universe. You can't have it all your way all the time, 100, 100%. Your body is just not designed to do that. Like we can't be totally in love all the time because the body just can't do that. And we can't be under stress all the time because the cortisol and adrenaline and everything else starts affecting our bodies. Is we it also because this. we live in a world of duality? With what now? Is it also because we live in a world of duality? Duality, yes, exactly, exactly. And whether that is a medieval you know, concept or religious concept or whatever, that is still the truth. Um, justice in the in the legal system it holds a scale on one hand and a sword in the other. So sh so she is uh, weighing the evidence. So there is a duality. There's a duality there because it, you want one thing to be better than the other, or you want them to be equal on an equal playing field, yeah. so that you can get um, uh, all the facts and all the information that that you can. So justice is the duality. It is the scale. And even in the ancient Egyptian um, situations, they put your heart, they take your heart and they put it on a scale and they put a feather on the other side of the scale. And if they balance, then you can go on to heaven. If the heart weighs more than the feather, then you don't go on to heaven. You, know, you have to go to hell or get recycled or something. But that's the idea. You have to be as light as a feather. You have to be as as loving and interesting and, and hopeful and... Um, happy uh, as much as you can. Now, if you talk to a, a Buddhist monk or um, Tibetan priest, you know, they say that you can, you, you don't reach happiness. No one ever is ex extremely happy all the time, but you can reach Zen. And Zen is when you are comfortable with both sides. You find that equilibrium and you're not upset and you're not, you know, you're not overly upset, dramatic, or you're not overly happy but you're in a Zen where you're very comfortable with not only who you are, but the state of the world around you. And they say it takes years and years and years of practice to do that. <laughs> I, I, I agree. It takes, it takes years to become comfortable with yourself. It takes years to you know, reach a level of where I fit in, how do I fit in, and can I 
balance the scales? Can I get what I want and also give what I can in order to, to balance that scales? And, and that is Zen. That is Zen. So you're, you're content, you're happy, you're knowledgeable, you, you're in the now, you're in the now, and you, you have this comfort about you that is what I call the Zen, the, the deep Zen. Now, Alan Watts talks about Zen quite a bit, and he tries to say that Americans can never be in Zen. We're, we're always too busy, too needy, too, too aggressive. There's always too something that we can never reach Zen. So it takes years to develop for an American to understand Zen, but it is achievable and it's there. And that is the comfort in knowing your, your, yourself and the world that we live in whether it be a hologram, whether it be a digital simulation, whatever, if you're comfortable with that, then, then that's fine. You know, that's kind of the reason why we're here, to figure this out, to improve upon it the best we can, to reach our level of Zen so that we're not burning ourselves out at one end and, and uh, you know, hoarding money at another end or whatever. <laughs> we, can, we, find this, we find this equilibrium somewhere. And a lot of people say, oh, it's like time. I, I don't have enough time. I, I can't be everywhere at once. Like I'm always losing time. And that's because they're not in Zen with it, you know? And sometimes with time, I, I know it's fleeting, but the time, but you have to, you have to find that quality time. It's called quality time. And you are reaching Zen, meaning you are planting these flowers in the garden because it's a good thing. You're, you're with your kids because it's a good thing. You know, and you see this good coming out of it, you know, and, and there's other people that say everything's a garden. What you plant or what you, you know, uh, uh, water it with is what will grow. So if you are um, confused and hates and tribulations, that's what will grow. If you're in peace and calm, that's what will grow, you know, and it's it's kind of like you're fueling your environment is what you're, what that is. So if you're hostile, the environment becomes hostile. If you're in Zen, the the environment becomes Zen, and then everybody's, yeah, you know, doing what they can. Yeah. So, so many years ago, many years ago. Um, okay, uh, this one. Okay, this is an orb. This is just about like this one. It was just taken a little bit different, and I had to process this because I had a lot of uh, stuff on the outside. You know, it, it, so I had to process all that, and then up here is the central matrix. That's the central matrix. And that is the nut you, we cannot quite crack. That is the, the center. It's, it's, this, it's this yellow dot here in the center. That is the central matrix, you know, blown up. And we look at it and all information that comes in, um, go, is processed through there. That's your identity. That's your um, desires. That's a lot of your memory. You know, it's all energy. It is just free-floating energy. Now, um, when we are looking at energy, we don't necessarily look at biology, and and that's and that's the that's the trouble of it. But let's just say, okay, this uh, diagram over here, um, this one, this big one here, um, that is the diagram that we technically use for the fundamental properties of uh, consciousness, and that it has a central matrix in it. It has the electromagnetic, um, or the the well, I say electromagnetic, but it has the energy that it comes out creates the electromagnetic bubble, a torus effect, 
that is around it and it's also displaced in our environment. So it doesn't necessarily come in contact with it, but it can if it wants to, and it collects all the information uh, of that state that it's in. So, um, so by looking at this diagram, we are now more complete with what we think consciousness really is and, and, and it's, it's anatomy, it's, it's basic makeup. Now, everyone will say, well, what, what about full-bodied apparitions and what about this and what about that? And I'm saying, well, it all starts out with this. It all starts out with the basic information of who you are, what you are, and how to re reconstruct that or reconstitute that when it comes to uh, a full body, collecting energy and manifesting a full-bodied apparition. And, and so you're yep. saying we can, we can do that like on the other side, like, yeah. And, and oh, yeah. It's, it's about and so becoming a, a full body apparition on the other side is about accumulating energy. Is what you're saying. Right. It's 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 by accumulating and remembering uh, yourself, your body, your your you know your eye color, your hair color, things like that. You know so, what's interesting about that is I'll just say real quick is when people have NDEs, they still have a body, right? Right. Well, some of them do. Yeah, some of them do. They they it, think they do. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They feel like they have a body, so that makes me think that they're they're living out that energy imprint of what they thought they once were. That's right. It's an energy imprint or pattern. So an imprint is what I put on to my subconscious, my, my conscious, is this is this form. That's what I've imprinted on there. Um, uh, but then again, if I understand it correctly, I can be anything I want. I can be a, a dog or a cat. I can change whatever this form because this form is just basically a memory. It's just an energy uh, memory, and that is that's the most manipulated uh, part about the whole thing. So it doesn't. So I don't have to be in. I don't have to look like this. I can look better than this, or I can have blonde hair or whatever. It's just whatever I want it to be, and then that energy coalesces into that into that form. So um, so a lot of people say, oh, you know, go to a haunted house and there's a a demon in there. Or there's an angel in there. Well, that is whatever that entity wants to depict is a angel or a demon or whatever it wants. And or it could be themselves. It's just what a whatever's in their mind, whatever they've imprinted. So what about the, some of these demons that look like real angels? They say they're real angels. Like, you know, like you know, like oh, yeah. when people have a haunting and they have a demon that's like real ancient, like what's that all about? Like is that well, just a well we've been around i mean don't you know you can you can take this you can take this from me however you want but um we've been around for billions of years the the human the human species or something like this has been around for billions of years okay and so any of those can be an ancient uh ancient spirit that has not you know moved on yeah and 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 then that's kind of the idea um or you can go back even further to the beginning of whatever we understand and in the afterlife itself contained the consciousness for for this type of uh energy so you can be demonic you can be angelic everything in between um it's just really your intent how you want to go about doing that and wow. that that is from your reference point, your frame of mind. So if you think you're evil, you're evil. 
if you're think if you think you're uh angelic you're angelic the mind in that environment coalesces to whatever you want however you want it that's interesting so there was a little there's a little girl who had a near-death experience and she died and the next thing she knows she's standing with an angel on a cloud she's sitting on a cloud with an angel and uh, she goes, is this heaven? And the angel goes, well, it's kind of like heaven, yeah. Um, and she goes, wow. She goes, what, what can I do here? And the angel tells her, well, if you want some ice cream, just reach down into this cloud, this energy field, reach down into the cloud and just say ice cream and any, any flavor you want. And the girl goes, okay, I want strawberry ice cream. And she reaches down and she pulls it up and there's an ice cream cone with strawberry ice cream on it. And she said she licked it and it was strawberry ice cream because it was all from her memory. Her memory had recreated that strawberry ice cream. That's fascinating. So if that could do that with a strawberry ice cream cone, then what do you think it could do with me? I could, I could just manifest my entire body. I could just coalesce the energy to manifest the entire body. Now, what we found out uh, what we found out lately was when you get to this diagram here is that 90% of consciousness, almost 90%, if not a little bit less, let's say 85% is neutral, meaning that it can be any sex it wants. It's the hormones and the biology of the body that create the sex. But our consciousness is virtually generically neutral. See what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so when a person, um, well, you know, it's, uh, everyone is like transphobic these days or whatever. But, but when a person, let's say, uh, is going to be born or dies, and and then it comes back as reincarnation, you know, some people say, well, I was a man in my last last lifetime, but now I'm a woman, and when that woman will die, she'll reincarnate. She may come back as a man. I mean. There's two sexes, but the mind is generic. So it's virtually neutral. It's neutral. When you talk to an angel, an angel doesn't have basic concepts like money or taxes, you see, but it's also neutral. Uh, it's an it. And angels, some angels are just it's. They're not, they're not male, they're not female, but they're all like gender neutral. And a lot of people can't figure that out. You know, they, they don't understand that because consciousness is, let's say, 89 to 90% neutral. It can be, you know, uh, translated. Now, there was some research done a few years ago, and I, I, I can't remember the researcher who, who did this. And I, I, it bothers me because I already looked at my notes for this. But um, they said that when you take families and you put them under past life regression, that they have had lifetimes before as brother and sister father and daughter mother and son and they have gone through many different uh incarnations as relatives and you sit there and go well that's kind of strange because my father could be my mother in my next life you know it starts getting kind of you know odd but in reality that is the byproduct of the human body. It gives us our sexual gender, you might say, and the hormones that we have uh, are released, the, the serotonin, the 
estrogen, the testosterone, are released biologically by us identifying as male or female. So, so when our consciousness is that generic, then we can go into, okay, let's talk about extraterrestrials. Okay, let's talk about little gray men. Well, okay, my, my brain's probably not that complex, so I probably couldn't become a gray, but who knows? A Pleiadian might be able to go into a human body, you know? There wouldn't be any biological or consciousness rejection there. Uh, an Orion could go into a Pleiadian body or an Orion could go into a human body. You know what I'm saying? If the DNA is there for the translation of the mind, the signals of the mind, then it could go into almost any body at once, any body, it, you know, any form at once. So uh, there's nothing wrong with saying that there are extraterrestrials. Because once you reach a certain level and consciousness is genetically neutral, let's just say, you know, for, for argument's sake, genetically neutral, well, then what's the difference? What's the difference in being a gray or a Pleiadian or an Orion or, or whatever, you know, Anunnaki or a little green man? Um, you know, what's the difference if we're just, if we're looking at biology, there's a big difference. But if we're looking at consciousness, there may not be hardly any difference at all. A slight variation, a slight variation in our brainwave patterns, maybe that's all that's that that's there. You know, the way we process things. Because why? It's our cells, it's our body that processes the reality. So so we might be interchangeable. We may be able to pull out, you know, part A and replace it with part B and 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 be interchangeable for for as long as the, the reality exists. Wow, that's fascinating. It really makes me think that this reality is a lot more than uh, we uh, than we 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 think than we, than what we're told. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's a lot oh, yeah. more interesting. Oh yeah, it is. It, it and now, now now again, I'm pointing out that this is energy studies, and it's called paraplasma physics because plasma the, is the fourth state of matter. But this supersedes that. This goes beyond the fourth state of matter, but it reacts and. And it's similar to plasma. And so when we're looking at plasma energy physics, it really does look a lot like this. And so, and so we're missing something when we become material. When we become material, we resonate and vibrate at this level. So my hands don't pass through each other. You see? So my, yeah. my, my brain has to adjust to this vibrational frequency this material frequency like the table and the chair and my shirt so i don't like pass through something the reason why if you're walking through steam or through a fog and the reason why you can walk through it is because you're a different vibrational frequency you're denser than it and you can walk through it if you're almost the same uh frequency uh, energy, energetic frequency, you couldn't walk through it because it would be equalization. You, you would equalize everything else. So so many years ago, let me see if I can get on. Okay, let me go over here. No, I need to go over here. Um, so many years ago, I wrote this equation and this was the forerunner. This is really what we based most of our preliminary research on was that consciousness equals the energy, vibration and bandwidth frequencies over the energy potential. So what we had is an energy quotient 
the energy quotient can change because it, it can adopt new inf uh, new energy and then create something different. But it all starts out with a basic orb structure. And that orb structure is what then manipulates and creates everything from a mist to an orb to whatever. And the energy inside of it is compacted and it is um, connected by energy to the environment around it. Now, so when we get to here, when we get to the, my original equation here, we have to step one, for, one, one step further because at the time I created the equation, I, I, I didn't read the fine print. I didn't read the fine print. So if people wanna talk about immortality, if people want to talk about immortality, living not physically forever, but mentally or spiritually forever, you have to go back to the first law of thermodynamics. And that is, if you have a closed system, there's, there's two there's two things here I want to, I want to, oh, no, it was over here. Okay, I got it. Um, there's two things. Um, but when you talk about a closed system and the state of energy, in the first laws of thermodynamics, Energy is not created nor destroyed, but if it's contained in a non-entropy environment, if it's contained in a non-entropy environment where it loses no heat and energy is not transferred, then by its nature, its resonant harmonic nature and quantifiably means that it's immortal. It cannot die. So this type what, of energy- what, 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 goes through, what doesn't go through entropy? Energy? Yeah, now we go through entropy because we are hot. Our bodies are hot. We burn up uh, uh, chemicals and release them as heat. So anytime you have a, a system that does have entropy, it's releasing its energy by heat or a transfer of energy, like, like, a, like a battery. A battery is transferring energy to something else. Um, we transfer our energy into heat and it radiates from our body. And also we burn it up as we call it calories. And we actually burn it up uh, doing stuff like walking and working, riding a bicycle. We burn that energy up. And how does it express itself? Via heat. We perspire, we, we get hot, you know, and, and that's how the entropy works. But if you're in a closed system, if you're in a closed environment that doesn't lose any entropy or, or any other uh, energy, it, and it's a constant state, of harmonics or vibration, then it will be by definition immortal. So our consciousnesses are immortal. That's they why. Um, have you ever heard of? Uh, have you ever heard Jason uh, from Archaics? He has that channel Archaics. He talks about when back when humans used to live in a vapor canopy type world. Like uh, I guess like in the, the ancient history, we lived in a vapor canopy at some point. Have you ever heard of this? And things no, grew, huh? grew much larger and longer. Oh. Oh yeah, well, that, yeah, I can, I can, I can, I can help you with that. I can help you with that. Um, and um, the reason why things in the past, well, you can call it a canopy, I guess. So that, that that's one way of describing it. But anyway, so okay, well, we can do this today. You can do this today, and it will uh, assist you. So let's say you have a garden, or you planted some flowers. Uh, let's say roses or something that grows over time. You can take a, a stick of wood, take a stick of wood, and then take a copper cable, a copper wire, and wrap it around the stick of wood. 
and you wrap it around till it's about two feet tall. And then you stick that into the flower pot where you planted that flower. And you put one end of the copper wire into the earth. The other one just sticks up in the air. Well, what it's doing is it collects electrons and it fuels the soil and the plants grow twice as big, if not bigger. And any gardener can do this. People are going to love that and grow marijuana. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, anything, anything. You can grow anything. Um, and I've seen this um, transpire. Uh, people back, you know, in the old days when they had gardens would take copper wire and run it through to a tree and then have it discharge into their gardens. So you saw these copper wires coming down into their garden. And that is because it's collecting electrons and the electrons energize the soil. The plants absorb that energy and then they grow twice as big. In the old days, back when man was still probably not even walking, um, there was a lot of electrons in the air. Our atmosphere was very thick and it had a lot of nitrogen in it and, and some oxygen and things like this. And so um, we were immersed into this atmospheric electron uh, field. Uh, all clouds are comprised basically of electrons. And once you download it, like let's say lightning, let's say when lightning strikes, it's actually discharging into the soil. And that type of energy um, really helped the primordial soup of the earth uh, jumpstart itself. And they've done this experiment by putting rare elements or basic elements into a uh, Petri dish or whatever. And then they shock it with uh, energy, uh, ele you know, electricity. And overnight, I mean, like within just a few days, the whole thing comes alive and there's mold, there's uh, plants, there's everything coming out of that soil. So when uh, you have more electrons in your atmosphere and your plants can receive those electrons, they spring to life almost immediately. And then that's insane. That they, so they drain the atmosphere of the electrons and the moisture in the clouds. And they, what happens? The, well, the fog kind of rises up to the atmosphere, the ionosphere that we have today. And so um, uh, a lot of people talk about, you know, like lightning storms and thunderstorms and things like that. But what they don't understand is that the primordial soup, that was a requirement or a necessary requirement for that to happen, for that lightning strike to happen to give us the plant life that we have today. And that's what's so amazing about it. Wow. That's yeah. fascinating. Yeah. Um, in 1958, um, there was some experiment done with plasma energy. And they uh, talk about its um, its uh, frequency, its velocity, uh, and its 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 state. If you could make it consistent, you know, what would it be if it was consistent? And if the vibrations was there and the harmonic uh, vibrations were there, this was 1958. They actually come up with the exact same ideas that I did, um, you know, 50, 60 years later. But the deal was was that uh, it did not change. Their experiments in 1958. Correlated, correlated, and helped with my experiments that I did in order for it to work out, and that's why I know that we're all on the right track here because um, it's a closed system of energy, and once that energy is closed, it can't lose heat, it can't lose information, it can't dissolve 
can't just go away. Uh, and it's the consistency. So it's constant. It's just constant. And so that's what immortality is all about. So in this state of energy, we are constantly immortal. We, it's just a, a difference in the decision on what body that we have. And a lot of people talk about, you know, um, uh, they were a man in their last last lifetime. They're a man in this lifetime. Uh, in, you know, last lifetime, they were a pilot or a soldier. And in, in this lifetime, they don't want to be a pilot or a soldier. You know what I'm saying? It's like they've learned their lesson in the last lifetime and they don't want to change. Now, I, I'm not really, I, I, there's a guy named Chet Snow. There's a guy named Chet Snow and he's out there. He's written a couple of books, Chet Snow. And um, he talked about being hypno, uh, hypno, uh, hypnotic regressed. regressed. Yeah, regressed uh, to a former life, former life regression. And um, he says that he was a woman in, in a lifetime and he died during childbirth or something like that. So you do find several men, several women flipping their sexes uh, uh, during uh, past life regressions. And, you know, and you think, well, that's kind of odd. It's kind of, you know, there's certain tendencies there. And, I've always uh, I've, I've always regressed back to a man for some reason. I've always been a yeah. man in my past lives. I mean, yeah. I've done five yeah. so far. I don't know why. Like I've I've always been that way. But it's so. But um, we, we got to finish up because we I got another show I got to do. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. You want to cover before we finish up? Uh, no, I'm just saying that this is all, this is all fixed in our environment. It uses a fractal geometry in order to express itself. This is all energy. Has nothing to do with physical matter except when it's in the body and that it is in energy. Our minds are energy with information. And that is what this is all about. This is finding ourselves through this type of science helps us come to Zen, helps us come to realization that we're not alone. Some things are normal you know, and that we really can't change. We can manipulate molecules, but really, really can't change the architecture. The architecture is set permanently. And, that, and that's what makes all of this so fascinating. Yeah, that's why I want to- And you call this paraplasma physics? Is that what you mm -hmm. call it? Yeah, yeah, I call it the I term. think that's what I'm going to title the video. I like that. Yeah. Um, now, a lot of people deal in plasma physics, but that's like uh, using high-end gas- uh, organ gas or blue light uh, uh, lasers uh, to, uh, you know, drill and cut and score things. That's, that's a plasma physics. This is not, this is, this is energy only of consciousness that resembles to the best of our knowledge, plasma. It's a plasma energy contained in its own environment. And that is what, so that's what sets it apart is, is consciousness. Yeah. This has been fascinating. Well, can yeah. you tell everybody where to find you, Dr. Lynch? And, and, and yeah. thank you and, and for doing this. This is amazing. Yeah, no problem. Um, yeah, uh, you can find me on YouTube under Dr. Under Michael Lynch on YouTube. Uh, I have a new series kind of out. It's called Off the Cuff. It's not the one connected to the uh, police department. It is just me rambling on about how things we should have been caught up already uh, on certain paranormal topics. And then uh, I'm also on Facebook. You can find me. I do a lot of posting on Facebook. Um, so, so we're looking at this now um, as, as a broader perspective. As the government is looking at little Tic Tacs on video, uh, thinking that, wow, you know, that's really kind of cool. 
we're looking at the consciousness inside the flying the tic tac, and uh, we're saying, "Wow, we need to understand that." And that is what this is all about. It's not that we haven't found consciousness; it's is that we need to understand consciousness, and well, that will make. What us do you a think? Well, real quick, what do you think the consciousness is to find those tic tacs? Do you think that's some extraterrestrial, or do you think that's something we made? Oh no, no, that's... no! It's it's Orion or Pleiadian. It's it's a, it was an upgrade. Um, they were upgrading all their, you know, domestic ships. And um, those were just the new batch that was being sent down. There were 80, 90 of those ships uh, that came down and they were all being piloted by individuals. And, um, you know, what yeah. I was thinking, Dr. Lynch, I was thinking maybe because of like the, of the hostile situation that our planet's in, that's why we're seeing more and more UAPs. Like I was watching uh, a shout out to the Leaf Project, that channel. He was showing a guy that like films all these UAPs off the coast of Santa Catalina. Or I say yeah. Santa Catalina, but it's California. There, there, there's like a USO base there, you know. Right. And what I was right. thinking, and I left a comment on his page. I said, I think there's an uptick in UAPs because they're afraid we're going to blow ourselves up. I think I, I, uh, I, I. No, I think it's just uh, we can ignore we can ignore a lot of things for a very long time until one day they're gonna come back and bite us. And this is what's happened. By keeping the public in the dark, uh, they they feel like they need to take the first step, even though they have with our government several times. Um, the public is still left in the dark. And that's because of our government. That's because of our the way our government is designed is to keep us virtually in the dark and continue to pay taxes. Well, as soon as we find out that there's something bigger, better, smarter, than our government, uh, we may shut down society. And break, you know, the Brookings report said that our society would crumble as soon as that happened. So half of it was to bury it, and the other half was to um, bring it in, you know, to find out what they had. And I can take you back to 1950s, um, 1940s, 50s of the UFOs of that time period are totally basic and barbaric compared to the, the new stuff that's coming out today. Um, totally different levels of physics, totally different levels of energy resources. Um, you know, so what Bob Lazar worked on is virtually obsolete now. I mean, that's not even, that's not even close to what they're, they're, they're doing now, working with now. So when you start seeing some of these old photos of UFOs and stuff like that, those things are gone. You know, that, that, that doesn't even, they don't even, no, it's just of, of a, of a, such a distant species you haven't caught up with the latest and greatest science yet like us okay we're still using jet jet engines when that should be not we should never have done that i mean but anyway so they've gone yeah, to we've always had the technology right we right. and we've always had the tech they have the tr3b now right, right i mean it's well, like yeah but you know but do we have a fleet of those do we have 80 or 90 of those no we don't have those the aurora is the only thing we have the, the the maximum amount of and we have 12 or 15 of those um and they were built by orions for us you know with us so the aurora was um a sideline project just so humans could get into space but the tr3b we don't have a fleet of those i mean it took us billions of dollars just to put one of those suckers together so we just don't have you know yeah, how many tr3bs you i mean, I mean well, okay so what's the difference between the aurora and the tr3b um the aurora is the size of the football field uh tr3b's uh about half that 
inside. Okay, so the aurora is like some, similar to like what uh, Windemont Howe calls the Hill and Cotter, like the um the the, 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 the supposed uh, ships that Gary McKinnon hacked into. He found yeah. destroyers that we supposedly right. had, and yeah. uh, then from the secret space program, and then and then so the TR three Bs would be kind of like a, our scout craft, whereas the aurora is like our battleship. And yeah, these are very real, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. They are very real. Now, like I said, you know, like the small UFOs that, that we saw back in the 50s and 40s were kind of like scout craft or sport models, uh, sport model vehicles, uh, three or four uh, people only. Um, the tr 3B is um, interplanetary. It can go from here to the moon. It can go from here to Mars, uh, which it does about twice a week anyway. So the Aurora, once we kind of got the nuts and bolts put together, we could just mass produce it. And then that was the easiest for us to fly, navigate, and um, and, and and manipulate. Um, so when you talk about stealth fighter or stealth bomber, uh, think of that type of technology better on the surface of an Aurora, which is, so it, it's totally devoid of radar contact. And it could fly right over a city and no one would ever know it, unless they saw it visually. And so, the Aurora, now the, there's better versions of that that's coming out, but um, for us, for humans, the Aurora is like top notch. You know, that's like the coolest thing in the world. If you're still trying to put together an Apollo, if you're if you're with Elon Musk and wanting to go to Mars with an old Apollo rocket with liquid oxygen or hydrogen, man, uh, that ain't going to fly. It ain't going to happen. Do you uh, think in some ways that's a psyop to, like, to, to throw the people off of like what oh, was yeah. really going on? Yeah, how can NASA go quiet for almost 60 years? I mean, so we land on the moon in 1969, okay, and we go to Apollo 17, and then we just don't go back anymore. And then NASA sits there, and they go, oh, we're digitized. We're going to digital. Everything's going to digital. We're getting rid of all this old hardware. We're going to go to digital. Okay, I understand that. 10 or 15 years later, they went totally digital. And what did they do? They spent a, a billion dollars or less to send probes to Mars. Uh, the Russians went to Venus. Uh, we've mapped the moon five or six times. You know, we've gotten better and better satellites to go better further and further places. But the deal is, is that that's not their entire budget. I mean, I mean, it's like uh, putting gas in the car one time and saying we just blew all of our budget on this gal on this tank full of gas. No, they're getting paid every year to supposed to be the best and the brightest to go further and further into space, and we we just didn't have the resources to do that. We had to have something from somewhere that was going to say, this is how you do it. Give us, you know, they gave us a blueprint on how to navigate into deep space because we were using Newtonian physics to go to the moon. So we didn't, we didn't have it. We just, you know, Neil deGrasse Tyson doesn't have the brain cells to get us there. Okay. Neither did Michio Kaku. Um, this is Tesla way ahead did, though, right? Tesla had the Tesla, Tesla was way ahead of its time. Well, he, he he's getting there. He's getting there. Give him fifteen more years. Yeah, he might be able to do this. Um, give us all. Uh, no, I meant Nikola time. Tesla. Like he, he oh, Nikola yes. Tesla was very oh, yeah. ahead of his time, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now he was using plasma energy to to transmit and receive uh, energy and signals and things like that. And he was also working on what we call anti-gravitics uh, for lift. And uh, again, when he died, the government came in and confiscated everything. And it went to uh, Donald Trump's uncle. And Donald Trump's uncle said, there's nothing here that's worth my time, uh, which was a total lie because uh, 
everything else, everything that Nicholas Sisla did, we're kind of using today. So yeah. it didn't go well, away. It was just sequestered until we could find a reason to use it. What know? are your thoughts on Corso's story? Like what the, the Corso said that uh, he was in charge of like, after mm -hmm. certain UFO crashes that he was in charge of like, handing out tech to different companies and seeing if that Absolutely. stuff could get transitioned and the stuff that we use in the society. Do you believe Corso's story? Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, no doubt in my mind. And let me just tell you, back in the day, you could count on both hands how many people had their hands on alien tech. 10 people. Or you can call them Majestic 12 if you want. Okay, there's 12 guys. Okay, those guys knew everything where it came down, where it crashed, what was in it, the whole inventory. Where do we bury it? Out of S4. Where do we warehouse it? You know, everything. They knew it all, okay? And a lot of them were German from Project Paperclip. So, yeah, uh, right. so, so, you know, so, so when the Germans got there and, and like von Braun said, they said, well, we don't know how this works. This is beyond us. I mean, we're, we're a chemical rocket kind of guys. This is this is electrogravitics. This is with elements we don't have on this planet, you see. And and that's the that's the crazy part about it is that a lot of that stuff couldn't be made here. The 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 metal urgently is wrong. The atomic structures are wrong. I mean, someone somewhere else, probably in a big space station around the sun, is is in a zero gravity centrifuge is whipping out new elements, chemical elements found from all over the galaxy. And they're is that kind of where what element 115 came from? Yes, think? exactly. Yeah, exactly. And how long had they had that? Probably like two or 300 years before we even knew about it. You see what I'm saying? But if you're in a zero gravity environment and you have the right equipment, I can sit there and make complex molecular structures um, with no, okay. Every Everybody, uh, watch James Fox's, any of James Fox's movies and the eyewitnesses will say it was smooth. There were no rivets, no screws, no bolts. It was just all smooth. Well, the only way you can get smooth is if you put it into a centrifuge and then you sit there with a spray gun and you spraying molecules out in a mold and the thing is spinning around. So it's totally even. So you have one layer of aluminum, another layer of charcoal, another layer of copper, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And yeah. Instead of digitally printing it out that we do today, they were just spraying it out in molecule and after molecule. And so once you get done, you have this electromagnetic shell that is, you just put the screws to it and boom, it just starts floating, starts flying around. And then you can uh, increase its capability by thickening the walls. So if you want it in the high gravity, you thicken the walls. Denser planets, you thin the walls. All of this is by energy manipulation. Okay, so then the energy changed. They didn't go, the element 113 was gone or 115 was gone. They didn't want to process that anymore. Too unstable, probably. And so they went with like something simpler, like thorium or um, along those lines, a radioactive ca capacity. So they could just put it into a chamber like Doc Brown, you know, uses the, uh, the, the, the chamber. Plutonium. Plutonium chamber, right, exactly. And then gives it the right amount of kick, you know. And I think that's what they're doing. I think they've changed from element uh 115 and they're they're going back to a more stable 
uh, thing that gives them that same output. And so they're getting 90%, 98%, 99% efficiency out of the entire craft. That means you're losing very little energy in the translation. So the energy that makes it float, the energy that makes it go is, is almost 90, 98%. You, you take a Tomcat uh, jet craft or any jet craft and you get it up certain thousand feet you are burning fuel so fast that you, you know you can only go so far. And if you have excess fuel in a traditional airline, they dump it. They dump the fuel in the air. Well, what so are your thoughts the, on those F-22s and F-35s? Supposedly, they're supposed to be pretty, uh, like, why do we still have those? You know what I mean? Those are like, those are supposed to be top of the line. And those yeah. are probably burning a lot of fuel. And they those oh, are yeah. what supposedly shot down the balloons during yeah, our yeah. atmosphere. Well, what are your we thoughts gotta... on those balloons and stuff like that? Like, oh, okay. Yeah, and the fact now, that they supposedly shot down UFOs. Well, you know, I don't think they did. I don't think they did either. I think there are some round UFOs out there. Um, and I've got a few of those video clips there on TikTok. And people are seeing them and they look like a balloon, but they're traveling like Mach 1. So I know that they're not balloons. And the balloons that the Chinese sent over were what we call um, stereographic stereographic sensors. So you have a slow moving balloon, slow moving object, and you're transmitting down ultrasound and you're doing a stereographic uh, mapping modeling of the terrain that you're that you're going across. And it's totally passive. So what it was doing was just recording something and transmitting it, transmitting the data back to wherever it was, a satellite or, or something else. And that was it. And all you had to do is get that balloon to go in a certain way, pathway. And it will just 3D scan the entire environment. And that's a cool way of doing it. We've been doing uh, weather balloon scenarios ever since the 40s. Do you we think scenario- they're doing that because they're planning to try to invade? Pardon? Uh, trying to do what? You think China was doing that because they were like planning on trying to invade? Oh, no, no, no. Sa- satellites now are far more important than um, balloons. I mean, this is very archaic. Uh, we can do a three-dimensional satellite uh, recording uh, with our eyes closed. I mean, that's where our tech is. But maybe but what was the to... whole point of the balloon to throw people off? Or like, I don't get it. I think like... it was. Yeah, I think it was just to test to test it uh, to see how what our tolerance was, what, what was going to be in our airspace. Um, but I, I can tell you, it's not expensive. I mean, those balloons and. And uh, helium is not expensive. I mean, that's a very low-tech way of getting some good, accurate information about, uh, you know, 5,000 feet, 10,000 feet above the Earth's surface. I mean, we do it with LIDAR today. I mean, LIDAR is done with an airplane or a drone. And we can see through the jungle canopy and almost underneath the Earth as we go through the Yucatan Peninsula and Brazil, um, we can see through all of that with LIDAR. So, um what they're doing is is even more basic than that. You know, I don't know why they would even do it, because if they ever got caught, well, then their handprints are all over it. Well, do you think that's a deep state move to try to get us like work up about the Chinese? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, I, I, I mean, they may have the world's largest air force, and and things like that, and, and a pretty good navy. But I don't see that. I don't see that. We are their consumers. Whatever they produce, we buy. And I don't see I don't see that 
No, I, I just can't see it right now. Economically, I just yeah, can't see yeah. it. Yeah, well, this yeah. has been fascinating, Doctor Lynch. Thank yeah. you so much for doing this. Wait a minute, I wanted everybody to follow you. You said you're on TikTok too. I didn't know that. No, 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 no. I, your TikTok? No, no. I uh, I watched some TikTok videos. I'm not on TikTok. Uh, oh, I'm on fa oh. Facebook and uh, YouTube. And uh, I'm trying to get a little station on Rumbler. Uh, I started that last night. So, um, so YouTube, Michael Lynch, um, and I do paranormal. Uh, it's kind of like paranormal news. And then on Facebook, you'll see me a picture of me with the paranormal, you know, you know, logo in the background. And then that's me. And you can go on my my site. And I put a lot of UFO stuff up there, a lot of cryptozoology stuff, you know, because uh, I can't get out there and do it as much as I would like to do. So I, I take other people's information, put it out there. It's just for your own examination, whether you believe it or not, or trust it or not. I'll let you kind of decide on your own. So cryptozoology, that's another thing we got to get into. I keep trying oh, yeah. to, I have another show in a half hour, but I just want to ask you, so do you think Dogman's pretty real then? Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it dates back to France and if not beyond, uh, Anubis in the ancient Egyptian culture was a canine, was a dog type, dog headed man. And um, there has to be something in the mythology about that. Um, yeah. Uh, lycanthropy, you know, be, becoming a wolf man, becoming a dog man. Uh, I think there's more to that than what we really realize. But it's like a lot of things. Uh, it may have been, it may be, maybe from off world and was brought here in order to repopulate and will be taken off um, and things like that. Uh, that happens on occasion. We'll get a, an influx of strange mammals um, that have no record in the evolutionary tree and they just show up one day and then then a few years go by and they just disappear. So we have these ups and downs and I think that some of the times they are deposited here for them to get better, populate uh, to a certain certain section, and then they're removed. Um, there was a discussion about cows the other day, and uh, I said, "Yeah, the little grays need those cows because they 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 sit in the blood of a cow and get all their minerals and nutrients." But it would be in their best interest to take the cows to another planet. And let them roam around free over there, like the wild buffalo or the wildebeest. Uh, let them run around free, so every plant they go to, they can get a free lunch. Just, just grab a cow. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, I mean, we we love hamburgers. I mean, I I'm I, I'll stand in line for a good hamburger, uh, and I know how good that tastes and everything. Well, it, they're the same way. They want a lunch, so they're going to take the the hemoglobin, the blood plasma of a cow, or you know, elk, deer, whatever, and they'll immerse themselves into it about once a week. And then they'll give them their nutrients um, to continue on. You know, that's, that's going to be their lunch. But, you know, it'd be the, it'd be cool in their mind to say, well, we're going to take a ten, 10 of these heads of cows and we're going to transplant them on another planet. And so when we go to that planet, we'll have a free lunch as well. And I think that's just, that's just normal. You yeah, know. because I mean, like to leave in the mutilated bodies, it's like it's real freaky. You know, the mutilations oh, yeah. are real freaky. Yeah. Like th those things are sucked dry at blood. I talk about it all the time. It's really right. like bizarre. Yeah. It's really bizarre. They yeah. take the genitals and they take the eyes and like mm -hmm. it's like it's like I feel bad for those poor things that got tortured like that. You know? Yeah, but you know, we uh, kill probably uh, fifty to hundred thousand cows a day just to sustain our hamburger diet. 
so um one or two autopsy cows to me is you know almost virtually inconsequential but over 10 years yeah there were 10,000 cows uh, abducted and mutilated uh for 10 years so there's 10,000 cows for 10 years that's 100,000 cows so you you start to look at some of these cows were you know they're in our economy i mean um ranchers and farmers depend on these cows growing up and 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 being sold for them to sustain themselves. So once you have 100,000, 300,000 cows disappearing and used, you know, totally useless except for glue, then that it, it, it stabs into the economy quite a bit. And yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I, we have to do this again. Then we got to do another sure. show where we talk about cryptids and 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 cattle mutilations. That would be oh, fun. Yeah. yeah, we'll do that, man. I'll, I'll pull up some more posters and we'll talk about chupacabras and and uh, Nessie and all that stuff, and uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I, let's let's plan on that. That sounds fun. Yeah. yeah, I'm I'm all for it. You know, like I said, I there's not too much now of the paranormal that I haven't got gotten into. But the deal is, is that you know, like I said, it comes in phases, comes in waves, or UFO flaps. You know, where a thousand things will happen at one time, and then you won't have anything for a couple of months, and yeah. then something else will happen again. You know, so. So uh, the other day I saw a photograph and I just like, uh, I don't know. I can't even, I, you know, so uh, I saw a photograph. And I just kind of shook my head. I'm not really sure that's real, but it's interesting. You know what I'm saying? This is all yeah. interesting to me. And it's all it is. It is. Well, thank you, Dr. Lynch. And I, I'll, I'll message you. We'll set up something for the next couple of months yeah. where we can do that. I'd love yeah. to have you back yeah. on. Yeah. I, I'm not trying to uh, tell you that you're the typical skeptic, but I am glad that you are a skeptic with an open mind so that we can talk about this and have fun doing it. So, Oh, that's you. awesome. Well, thank you. Have a good night. Yeah, sure. All right. Yeah, you too.